Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The following is a true story. I had a lady that was in her mid-70s, and I'd sold her timeshare, and that was the lowest I'd ever felt in my life. I knew then that I had to do something to simply not to go to hell for selling timeshare. Chuck McDowell founded Wesley Financial Group to help folks cancel their timeshares permanently. Called her and everybody that I'd sold timeshare to, and I said, this is what I said to you that was a lie, and this is what you need to do to cancel your timeshare. From that point, people started referring friends to me to help them cancel the timeshare, and that's how it all started. I fought the world's largest timeshare company in federal court. If I had lost that lawsuit, there would be no one helping people that have been lied to when they bought timeshare. If we take you as a client, we will cancel your timeshare or we'll give your money back. That's what makes us different. Call Wesley Financial Group now for a free information kit. 800-885-4884. That's 800-885-4884. 800-885-4884. Did you know Geico's now offering an extra 15% credit on car and motorcycle policies? That's 15% on top of what Geico could already save you. So what are you waiting for? Your baby to let you sleep in? What? We could sleep in another half hour? Thanks, sweetheart. And you'll change yourself too? There's never been a better time to switch to Geico. Save an extra 15% when you switch by October 7th. Limitations apply. Visit geico.com for details. This is the Cubs-related podcast presented by CubsInsider.com. My name is Corey. I am joined, as always, by Brendan. And we told you folks that if the Cubs made a decision as to who would be their new leader, our new manager, we would jump on and we would record with you as soon as possible. Now, nothing official has been announced. We do not have a Theo giving a jersey to someone press conference yet or anything like that. We have not heard a a murmur from at Cubs on Twitter or anything like that. But Brendan, if you listen closely, I think you might be able to hear something. I hear something in the distance and it's it's coming into, into my earshot now. And as I said, when the Cubs got Craig Kimbrell, by God, that's David Ross's music, ladies and gentlemen. David Ross, per many reports, whoever you want to 
decide is the original source. I think technically Jesse Rogers is getting the first dibs on this one. David Kaplan starting the windfall on Wednesday morning. Jesse talked about this on Tuesday. Ken Rosenthal, John Heyman, everybody jumping in, all of the Cubs outlets starting to confirm that this is what is going to be happening. I believe we are going to get an announcement on Thursday. So if you're listening to this, it may have already happened or it may be about to happen. I don't know. But David Ross has won this sweepstakes. He has passed the interviews and and the, the, the two-step, three-step, whatever it is process. And the successor to Joe Madden will be David Ross. So we are here tonight, as promised, to discuss. We have a new manager, and we will see what other changes, if any, come with the coaching staff. Obviously, Mark Loretta and Will Venable have been interviewing with people. Don't know if Ross would be bringing in his own people, whatever. We don't know. But what we do know is that we have a new fearless leader, Brendan, and it is a familiar face. So we talked about David Ross versus Joe Espada and the the pros and cons to either. And I I think at the end of the last episode, you and I were probably both leaning Espada, uh, Mm -hmm. but noted that the Cubs really couldn't make a wrong choice here. So uh, the official stance, I believe, if I can speak for you, Brendan, of the Cubs-related podcast is we're very excited. We are pumped and think that the Cubs have made a good choice here. And we will break a little bit of that down uh, and and what we kind of expect here, but I, I do want to throw it to you, Brendan, initially and just ask you your gut reaction. We're, we're done with this process. David Ross is the next manager of the Chicago Cubs. My gut reaction is excited, right? Like, imagine, Corey, opening day at Wrigley Field, David Ross's name is announced. Imagine that reaction yes. from the crowd. It's going to be electric, right? And that's that's the tone that I think David Ross is going to set, where the players love him. He has a, a history of really good quality communication with this front office. I mean, Rizzo's called him a brother. John Lester's called him a brother. He has so many examples of his ability to connect with the players, connect with the front office, connect with people from different backgrounds, different ethnicities, different languages, and bring everyone together on the same page. So my gut reaction is like, this is what the Cubs need right now. Like right now, this iteration of Cubs baseball, an aging core, a core that went through a lot. And you know what, Corey? Like, those players are familiar with Ross as well. I I, I know there's like a a concept like, hey, we want change for this next team, for this next era of Cubs baseball. He still represents that change, dude. Like, he's still very much of a different guy than that of Joe Madden. Yeah, he was part of the team from a few years ago, but by by the time the season starts, we're looking at maybe eight or so guys coming back from that 2016 squad. This is a very different team, completely different team. And my gut reaction is I'm excited. I cannot wait until spring training, cannot wait until opening day. And I think David Ross right now, the more you reflect about it, the more you hear about some of the insight into his interviews and in just thinking about what the impact could be from day one, I think the transition period is faster. And I think it, it's really looking at all the pros they clearly outweigh any cons that you think of from an outsider looking in. And I could not be more happier, Corey. 
Right. So I think that was something that we talked about in that last episode that was one of the pros for Ross as it related to Joe Espada. And and that was that while it's obviously not the same roster since Ross was last in that dugout, he's obviously been working with this organization since. And the transition is pretty clearly going to be a lot quicker. He, he knows all of these guys. He's worked with a lot of these guys. He, he is at spring training. You know, he's been part of this front office. So he knows this organization and he can get in and get to work without a lot of introductions, building relationships, learning the culture or, or building a new culture, whatever it is. He, he's already got a head start in those regards. So I, I think that that's obviously in the positives column. But I think we'll, there's a really good uh, Fangraphs article that I, I want to dig into in a, in a little bit that where he's basically just answering, and this is uh, in February of 2016, so obviously he's hopefully learned some things and, and maybe changed his mind on some things, but it, it's, it's a good insight onto just sort of his general thinking on decision-making and managing and operating a clubhouse and things like that. The, the title of the article at the time was David Ross, Future Big League Manager. Future... Well, I guess technically future, but future no more. He's a big league manager. <laughs> yes, uh, yes. But the, the, I, I, I guess where I wanted to start is the fun of this first, before we get into the strategy and decision-making, because they're not going to play baseball for a while. So where I wanted to start first is just the fact that we are able to be fortunate enough to transition from someone that I think for the most part, whether you disagreed with him at times, uh, a very likable and a, a very fun manager in Joe Madden. And, you know, you and I, Brendan, are, I, I just said this on the last episode, we're in our late 20s. So our list of Cubs managers is shorter than many. Uh, but, you know, Dusty Baker, for you and I, growing up as as budding sabermetricians that we are, right? Not exactly <laughs> yeah. great, even though he's a, a wonderful guy and, and you know, a, an all-around great person. Not analytically aligned with us. You have guys like Lou Piniella, you know, very angry, <laughs> angry old man, right? Dale Swaim, Mike Quaddy, Rick Renteria, varying in their kind of either I really disagree with them a lot, I don't really like them at all, or they're just kind of there, right? Those types of guys. Then you go to Joe Madden, who's just someone you just love. He's the type of person that someone like you, Brendan, goes out and buys his jersey. And we all get on with his his sayings and his quirks and, and, and the fun things that he was doing. And to be able to transition to someone that we all really respect and really like and and who has gained such uh, you know a standing in amongst Cubs fandom for his character and the type of person he is and the player that he was I think we're very fortunate in in that regard to be able to transition to someone like that where we're all and and maybe you're not uh but a lot of us I think are just excited because we like David Ross we love David Ross and and, and it's exciting to have him back in the fold with this group and it's exciting to see even just as a fan of David Ross, like what this means for him, his family, and and his future career. So I I think that's very exciting. Uh, I do also want to say, I want to be publicly on record, I asked for this. I, you know, said my prayers. I did everything that I could. 
thank you for not hiring Joe Girardi. <laughs> thank you. It was my worst nightmare. All right. We're not going to relitigate that, but thank you, Universe, Theo, Jed, everybody, for not putting me through that. So uh, I just want to put that out there. Mm-hmm. But again, in addition to the fun thing, like you and I were looking before we jumped on at pictures of Rizzo and Ross screwing around, watching them on Dancing with the Stars, laughing with each other, watching them on SNL, twerking on national TV, right, with Dexter Fowler. You're, which other manager right now can you make a minute-long video of them bumping their cups with their teammates after they hit home runs and stuff like that. You can't. You can't find one. It's David After Ross. Game 7 of the World Series, too, by the way, in which they won. So right. very, very unique in, in that regard as right. well. And, and you also have a manager now where the last time he put on a Cubs uniform was hitting a home run in Game 7 of the World Series <laughs> off of, at the time, perhaps the best reliever in the world in Andrew Miller. Yeah. And the next time he puts on the uniform, and then they win the World Series. Sorry, they I win almost the World glossed Series, over yeah. that yeah, 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 yeah. I was People just talking about that. the home run. I, you know, oh, and by the way, they did win they, that they, game. Yeah, they did win the World Series. Uh, Correct, yeah. He gets carried off the field by his teammates. And then the next time he puts on the, the uniform for the team, he's going to be their freaking manager. Like, that's yeah. just really cool. And I'll, I've, I feel like I've been droning on a little bit here. I'll, I'll get you back in here, Brendan, I swear. But the last thing I, I, I wanted to say, just kind of on, on the, the, the fun side of it and, and just that kind of initial excitement for him getting this job, is if you watch when he's lifted onto uh, Rizzo and Hayward's shoulders after Game 7 of the World Series, he's in the middle of an interview, I think, with Fox, and he gets picked up and carried off. Watch that video and look at the faces of everybody in that yeah, video. Yeah, 100%. And I could direct you to a number of them. I, I would direct you to Jake Arrieta yep. in particular, but more than that, I would direct you to Ben Zobrist. Yep. Look at how excited Ben Zobrist is for David Ross that he is getting that moment. Ben Zobrist, also a veteran. Ben Zobrist, also somebody you could have said a lot of the things about that you said about David Ross and what he meant to that team. I mean, Ben Zobrist is five minutes removed from one of the biggest, if not the biggest hit in Cubs history, winning the World Series MVP. And look at how excited he is for David Ross. And I think that those things tell you a lot doesn't necessarily mean he's going to be a good manager I'm, I'm not necessarily making that argument but what I I want to make clear is this is someone who has a tremendous level of respect from the people that he interacts with on the field off the field and someone that you can see absolute joy for this person getting big moments and and being treated in that regard. And when people are revered that way, you should take notice and you should ask yourself why, and, and we, we, we know why, but why is this person held in such high regard mm-hmm. from all these other people? They're not carrying anybody else off the field. All these mm-hmm. other guys had, you know, maybe bigger accomplishments for the team. And they're all looking at David Ross and being excited for David Ross. And I think the that says a lot, catcher. Brendan. For a backup catcher to have that type of storyline for a team who had not won a World Series in 108 years, the way 
the fashion he went out, how he came back to become the Cubs manager, dancing with the stars, always connected with the front office. And you see the long-lasting relationships that he's had with even some of this, the, the guys on the team right now. That's what's so unique about Ross is he has the charisma. He has the ability, again, to connect. But it's just going to be fun, man. Like, like We can get into the nitty-gritty details about this, but... This is going to be the most unique experience we're going to see for any manager hire, like ever. Like you're not going to see a more unique experience in this. So you know, have fun with it. We can get into the details of why maybe Espada may have been a better choice, but who who cares? Like seriously, who cares at this point? He is the manager. The guys love him. Anthony Rizzo cries for David Ross. David Ross is crying every other interview. I feel like from that 2016 year. Like this is a really special moment. For Ross, for many of the current players, and I like let's just enjoy it. it it's it's going to be fun, and I got to say, John Lester, Corey, if it were I'm not listening. for John Lester, yep, if it were not for John Lester, where would the state of this Chicago Cubs team be? Right, because John Lester being signed by Theo Epstein in 2015 prompted guess what, David Ross to come over to the Chicago Cubs. If it were not for John Lester signing with the Cubs, we would not be in this position. Wow, Simple Brandon, it's it's almost as though John Lester is the most important free agent signing I'm, in Cubs history. It, it's it's I mean crazy, look, it's, isn't it's, it? It's it's, it's certain. It's absolutely. Uh, certain I mean, far be it from me to make I'm such an argument, but I, you know, I'm just saying it certainly seems that way. But so that's it. That's an interesting place to transition. I, I like we could go on for a really long time about why we all love David Ross, but I, I, I think you all know that. I think we all learned that over the course of his time with the Cubs in 2015 and 2016. So I, I don't think we really need to explain that. But I think now we can, you know, maybe transition into he's the manager. So yeah. watching him bump cups with people and and stuff like that is is great, but that's not. Do you think he still will? That's not his job now. <laughs> I doubt uh, it. Uh, maybe if he, if, he, if he does it one time, I'm going to lose myself. Yeah, man. maybe on special <laughs> occasions. But uh, yeah, uh, yeah I, I I don't know. Maybe he's going to be a little more. I, I, I don't. I would be more call professional. That unprofessional, but maybe. Yeah, maybe. But I think it. It, it the, the one thing that has really struck me as a little odd is some of the negative reaction to this hire. And it's always very difficult to tell whether things are the majority, the minority. I don't really know uh, because obviously you and I, Brendan, we have you guys who who listen to us and, and we interact with a lot of you guys. But I've always kind of figured if you were sitting through an hour of us talking twice a week, probably aligning with our opinions to some degree, and if you don't, I appreciate you putting yourself out there and 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 challenging those beliefs. But you know the the people that we write with at Cubs Insider, etc. There's a, there's a bit of a hive mind, if you will, at times for better or worse. So it's always just hard to tell. Is all I'm saying whether certain opinions are vastly in the majority. I think the reaction has been mostly positive, but it does seem like there's some strong disagreement with this, and maybe. Not to a I know this is going to fail degree, but more to a I hope to be proven wrong degree in just people having some concerns about this. But there's some of it that I I genuinely don't understand, Brendan, and I think that's where I want to go next is 
some of these concerns don't really make any sense to me as to where they come from. And we've talked about this a little bit in going through his candidacy through this process. But I, I really can't make this clear enough. Like, yes, David Ross is friends with these guys. Yes, David Ross screws around with these guys. We, we've already listed a bunch of those. I remember that video of him riding around on the scooter in spring training and stuff. Like, he, he can get silly. But this notion that he, and I think it was an article in the Sun-Times today, which I don't recommend anybody reading, but that's a different topic talking about how wondering if he's an extension of Joe Madden's sort of team-friendly, player-friendly, like I'm not going to get on people as much and I'm, I'm not going to like crack the whip, things like that. I don't know where that comes from, Brendan, because if you read quotes from anyone from his time playing in the league, they've always said he is a a good teammate, but a tough teammate. And I know you were talking about this on the last episode. Like, David Ross is someone that holds people accountable. John Lester has said that. Rizzo has said that. His teammates from past organizations have said this. This is a reputation he's always had. So I don't know where in these couple years, or if it's just because of the the grandpa thing and, and all of that, that he developed this soft, like people can walk all over him and he just wants to be buddies with the friends I, I, or with the, with the players. I don't know where that comes from because I, 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 that's just not the reputation that he yeah. has. He has the yeah. reputation of being a guy that holds people accountable and that will get in your face if you're not doing things the right way and if you're cutting corners and if you're not doing the things that a team is supposed to be doing to win. So I think that the the notion that he's compared to Joe in that regard is very strange to me. And there was a Ken Rosenthal tweet from today where he kind of uh, addressed that. And he so Ken Ken says this quote dynamic with Ross managing former Cubs teammates will be fascinating. Ross is affable, but also can be brutally honest. Cubs thought Madden shied away from tough conversations mm-hmm. by taking mm-hmm. the job. Ross is making a choice, knowing he might damage existing relationships in new role. Like he he's talking about someone that he says he he's taking this job and he may damage these relationships because of the type of His person honesty. that he is. Yeah. Yes, because yep. he's not yep. going to let these guys get away with stuff or walk all over him. He might damage those relationships. And the reason Ken is even suggesting this is because he's not going to let that stuff happen. And if it jeopardizes friendships or golf buddies or whatever, then that's what David Ross is signing up to do because that's the type of player that he was and that's the type of manager that he's going to be. So that that's the first one that I, I just don't really get where that comes from. Like, just because he's a, a fun-loving guy, I mean, go watch that video of John Lester sitting in the deer stand, right, from the Cubs YouTube. He seems like the the, the calmest, sweetest. He's, he's shedding a tear. He's talking about the life of this deer a and all this other deer. stuff. 
And, you know, then you watch him staring daggers through the eyes of an umpire that's not giving him the edge on the zone. And you're yeah. like, like the, the, it's all to say, like, people can be nice in, in certain scenarios and also be cutthroat and, and all business when it matters. So I, I was just confused to kind of read some of that reaction today and over the past couple of weeks. Yeah, I, with with Ross and the attitude and the comparisons to Joe Madden, like, we saw some, the actual, like, wordage of cuddly, right? Like, you're cuddling these types of players. And we already have examples of him not doing that. Like, one is when they were in Atlanta in 2015. And Ross always says this, like, he and John Lester got into it for some reason that we don't know. He's not afraid, Corey, to tell players what he thinks is right or what he thinks is wrong. And that is one reason why he's earned the respect. Like, if I were doing something wrong on this podcast, you would scream at me and I would appreciate that, which you do all the time, right? Like, you want to do the absolute best possible. And I think one area of Madden's, it could be a pro and a con depending on the context, but Madden always made the best out of bad situations. And so how I interpreted that quote from from Ken Rosenthal was, let's say you have Albert Almora Jr. who was struggling for a while. Maybe Madden's approach to that was, you know, hey, Al, keep doing what you're doing. You know, the results eventually will follow and you keep someone in a more uplifting type spirit. You don't want to break the guy. Maybe for Ross, his style would be like, you know what, like, Al, I, I know you're working hard, but you, you got to fix this. Like, you, you got to go in and figure out what's going on with your hyper-aggressive approach. You got to work with Anthony Iaposi here. You got to, you really got to narrow this down. And you do so in a way that's effective in a communication style for that individual with a, a level of caring that, that's also associated with that. And I don't know if, if Madden was able to do that. And I was really thinking hard about this and how Madden's tender with the Cubs ended and why they were successful and why they were not successful. And I think one of the main points that always came back to me was, and we've said this too in, in the past year, pr- pretty exhaustively, is when these Cubs were called up, when you had Chris Bryant and you had some of the other guys like, like Baez, anyone, right? They got through that phase one, and that phase one was debuting and having immediate success. And then once the league adjusted to so many of these guys, like Schwarber and Ian Happ and Amora and Addison Russell when he was younger and and Javi Baez in 2015 and 2016, once the league adjusted to them, most of them couldn't figure out how to get to that next level. And the answers may not even still be there, but... Joe couldn't find those answers, man. And I think that might be because it's not as if he was unwilling to go to that brutal, honest level. I just don't think Madden was capable of doing that. That's not who he is. It's not his style. And Ross, on the other hand, he's one, able to identify areas of weakness, and two, maybe suggest ways to improve that in an honest way that's still caring, that's still very effective, and maybe Ross does represent, okay, you got through phase one, let's get past through phase two like we always talk about. And what Joe Espada doesn't have that David Ross does have is that familiarity with these guys' skill sets, with their weaknesses as well. David Ross, Corey, was the catcher 
Okay, he's seen every pitch. He knows everything John Lester does. Right, but he also knows what a lot of these other young pitchers do as well. Like, like you know, he caught Dwayne Underwood. By the way, Dwayne Underwood was part of this system in 2015 and 2016. He's caught many of these young guys, even in the minor league system right now in spring training. Oscar De La Cruz was in spring training. Like, he may not be back, but a lot of the guys, a lot of the younger guys have been teammates with David Ross even in a few weeks in spring training. That is valuable. That is really freaking valuable. And that's something Joe Espada did not have. It's not as if Joe Espada would not have been a good candidate. I was leaning towards Joe Espada. But you really like think about what David Ross brings to the table. One, I think he's going to identify and, and effectively communicate how these guys can improve. And two, the familiarity with these guys' skill sets is going to rapidly identify those holes. I think Espada would have had a little bit more of a challenge trying to identify those weaknesses. And Ross has a three-year head start on these guys, man. And he was in the front office for three years uh, with, with Theo Epstein as well. He has a he has a head start, and that is valuable in this win window, Corey. Yeah, absolutely. So the the other thing that I, I thought was a little odd, and, and we've talked about this a little bit before, is, you know, some of the concern, and it's, it's, it's the same concern, but from the reverse side, right? Can the players be managed by someone that they're friends with, and, and will they respect that and all that other stuff? And I think I've said this before, but sometimes I forget whether I this is me talking to myself or if I actually said it on the podcast, so forgive me. But I, that one I don't get at all. Like, we just watched Anthony Rizzo play on a disgusting looking ankle that he messed up and was was getting treatment for and was gross when he showed the picture but he was out there trying to play we saw Chris Bryant getting cortisone shots in his knee we saw Javi Baez playing with a bum heel and then a a busted thumb or whatever it was on his hand like these guys are out there trying to win I, I I don't get the notion that like Rizzo because he's friends with Ross is looking for ways to get away with stuff or like uh yes David Ross is the manager now I don't have to listen or whatever even the thought is right like that one I don't get at all because like these guys want to win they're not what about this team and and what they've done over the last few years gives you the impression like do you think Wilson Contreras is looking to cut corners in in what right. he's trying to do every day, does Javi Baez give off that vibe? Like, and by that, the way, these guys, their contracts are ending up within two years. When you have hundreds yeah. of millions of dollars, literally hundreds of millions of dollars at stake, right? I don't care who your manager is. I'll go play for you know whomever, right? Like your incentive is to win to get the and most for your possible. career. Yeah. To further yeah, so, your career. So that I, I that part I don't understand. I, I think of of that debate, right? Like maybe you could make the argument like and again, I, I I don't think you could make the argument, but I understand where people come from if they haven't looked into this or, or read about Ross's background a, a little bit, like where you would say, okay, how is he going to manage guys that he was teammates with, guys that he's friends with? But the reverse of it, how are the guys going to respond to him? That one I, I don't understand at all. The, these guys are motivated to succeed. They're not looking for someone to not listen to. That doesn't make and, any sense. Right. And Corey, they adore David Ross for a reason, right. man. Like, right. like listen, listen to what they're saying. Rizzo, 
on stage after they won the World Series. Yeah, I mean, by just watch that whole speech. I watch mean, it, man. Yeah. I mean, come on. Like he said, literally, David Ross is exactly what the Chicago Cubs need. Yeah. Go do a Google search. Type in David Ross honesty. Okay. You're going to see articles. You're going to see quotes derived from David Ross or his teammates or coaches or front offices associated with Ross at some point in their careers talking about his unique ability to communicate in an honest way that's not overbearing for so many people. And that's rare just even in like life as well. There's probably few people that you know that you can trust and and fully grasp what someone is telling you in a brutally honest way and not be upset about that. Ross is able to do that for so many of these guys and he's helped yeah. so many of these guys' career already. Like John Lester, John Lester is probably successful in some regard because of his relationship with David Ross. And you give Ross the ability and the authority now to take that to other players. And I'm just, I'm excited, man. Like I'm genuinely excited what, and how these guys are going to improve with someone like Ross at the helm. Because I think right now, in this current iteration of Cubs baseball, they got to adjust. They have so much talent. Yep. They got to adjust. And how do you adjust? We don't know. But Ross definitely has the background to move guys forward and to adjust rapidly and to become successful. Yeah, so I, I want to read one particular quote from a player that I think came uh, on the day that they said farewell to Joe Madden, and they were asked about the potential of Ross being the replacement. And I, I'm going to read a quote from number 34, the left-hander, uh, your boy, John Lester. The legend. And he said this on this subject. He said, quote, I think that's something you just have to learn as you go. I would like to think that Terry Francona, who was his manager in Boston, was a good friend of mine, but still my manager when it came down to it. Obviously, the dynamic's different. I didn't play with Terry Francona and that sort of thing. But when it came down to it, that's my boss. If he makes a decision, he makes a decision, and you have to respect that. Now, I believe John, and I know that that's how it's going to (laughs) go. But you tell me, like, I don't even know who's going to be on the team, but I can already tell you that my number one moment and that I am looking forward to in the 2020 Cubs season is David Ross (laughs) sauntering out of that dugout, okay, in let's call it the fifth inning, right? And telling John Lester that his day is over, we're taking you out, we're going to the bullpen. I can't wait for that. Would Would you bet that Lester stares Ross in the eyes as he hands over the baseball? Or would you bet that I, Lester doesn't even make eye contact? I think and, it depends on the situation. Okay, I, think if it's so just, say, I, I think if like the, the Cubs are winning and John's pitch count is ju- you know, just getting up there and you know maybe he'd want to go longer, you know, maybe. If it's one of those, like it's the fourth inning, game's getting away from you, Johnny, like I got to you know, try to prevent, put out a fire <laughs> here, I—, yeah. I like I really think that's going to be quite entertaining. I'm not. Do you think, do you, it, it might be hard to find entertaining at the time because in this scenario they're probably right. losing or the game is maybe about to get away from them. And John's also getting taken out early, which is never a fun scenario for me. But that's <laughs> going to be really funny. Like I, 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 out of context, it's it's going to be yeah. very funny to no. see how John reacts to that. And and maybe he, he's looking forward to it too. And he'll you know, do something funny. I don't know. But I, I can't wait to watch David Ross try to take John Lester out of a game before he thinks he should be out. 
Now, do you think Ross is the type of manager who will go out there and jog to the mound or just, you know, casually stroll, enjoy the Wrigley sunshine? I think a casual stroll. It'll be interesting. I I assume they're going to, I assume they're going to switch the song at Wrigley Field. I've gotten, you know, it's kind of like, uh, like Pavlov's dog with, uh, the, ACDC song that they played for Joe to come out. I assume that they'll pick a different song. Uh, maybe that's where we hear uh, Young Forever by Jay-Z. Maybe they, they just do a little snippet there when he comes out to make a pitching change. I don't know. But these are all, yeah. there's a lot of questions to answer, but I don't think those are the important ones. The, the last thing before we get into strategy, Brendan, and, and, and you know maybe just digging into some of his thoughts and what we kind of expect from David Ross as the manager is... The, the the last we, weird concern that I don't understand uh, from this, because like I said at the beginning, like we could gush about David Ross for hours, but I, I think the reason that we like him uh, from his time with the Cubs and why he's a good candidate, we've explained on the past episodes, and it's pretty clear, right? He has this reputation. He was always regarded as someone who would be a good future manager, as a lot of catchers often are. He was vital to the 2016 World Series team, et cetera, et cetera. We all know this, right? Right? So I, I want to address these particular concerns because that that's what's coming out, and, and I, I want to talk about them because he's the new manager. The, and, and it was this notion that the Cubs needed someone to change direction and, and get away from this era and, and the 2016 team and, and riding those coattails and, and all that stuff, right? And some of the stuff I, I was seeing today was, was very surprising to me because— uh, David Ross has not been on these teams, right? So you can say whatever you want about the 2017, 2018, and you know, we don't ever have to talk about the 2019 Cubs again. But like David Ross wasn't on those teams. He was uh, a special assistant or whatever it is in the front office, like, and half the time on the road with ESPN and with his family. Like, you can't put any of that on him. It has nothing to do with him. And... Like, I think when Theo talks about not wanting to live in the past or just always be about 2016, what he means is, like, the world goes on. New seasons get played, right? Players turn over. Things change. We're all buying tickets to go watch a different team. We can't just sit here and say, we won the World Series in 2016. What are you going to do, right? Right. That's what he means. But... The 2016 Chicago Cubs that David Ross, as we've discussed a lot, was an integral part of, uh, especially from a clubhouse glue and mentor and veteran presence and, and guide perspective, right, was one of the best base running teams we've ever seen. They were one of the best defensive teams in baseball history, right? They had an incredible pitching staff that went on an incredible run for part of that season. They won the World Series. They went pole to pole, being the best team in the league. Like, we don't need to get away from 2016, right? Like, if anything, we need to get back to what they were doing in 2016. We can't Mm -hmm. just ride those same players and act like we can just repeat that over and over again. That's, That's what is meant by wanting to get away from that. But a lot of what that team did and a lot of what David Ross really contributed to is exactly what you want this team to get back to. The 2019 Chicago Cubs were one of the worst base running teams in the league. They led the league in outs on the bases. They were not good defensively. They were sloppy all the time, making little mistakes. Like, 
and and I just explained this. Like those are the things that the 2016 team did really well. So that was what was really weird. Is, is like this criticism that oh the Cubs just hired uh you know another guy to keep this 2016 legacy like going. We're just gonna live in the past. That's really unfair to David Ross to mm-hmm. to pigeonhole him like that and act as though hiring him and and just his mere presence in this organization prior to being named the manager invalidates the years and years of experience he was building up and people thinking that he deserved and would make a really good manager. I I, I just wasn't really sure where that was coming from. And, and you and I both agreed that maybe going with someone like Espada and getting a new set of eyes in there could be beneficial right? But David Ross is also a new set of eyes to a degree. He wasn't on this team. He wasn't playing on this team. He wasn't managing this team. So that was a weird one. That's that's the last of the weird, like, negative reaction to this that I have. But I, I think there's there's a very big difference in trying to constantly just do the same thing like you did in 2016, have the same players, the same core, and, and just keep expecting the same thing to happen. There's a very big difference between that and trying to identify what you did really well when you mm-hmm. won the World Series and how you did it and how you went about it and trying to repeat those things. I, I think that's a very big distinction that a lot of people weren't making for whatever reason. And when Theo was talking about the winner's trap, which is what you're alluding to, the entire quote or the entire explanation from Theo was talking about an organizational philosophy that part of it was staying with a with a core for too long, staying with Almora for too long or Schwarber or Hap and so on for too long. But he was talking specifically about the organization's philosophy when he came over in, in 2012 and started making all of his moves. His draft philosophy was defined by acquiring heavy power hitters, acquiring hitters in the top rounds that have a high likelihood of translating into success. And Theo was talking about the power approach, but within the last three years, we, we all know what happened. The ball was juiced and power no longer was a scarcity. So now the Cubs were not operating from a point of surplus that other teams didn't have. Now everyone was on the same playing field as the Cubs. And Theo was talking about now the pendulum may switch back over to a contact-type approach, which, look at the Nationals, man. That's what they're doing. Trey Turner, Adam Eaton, Juan Soto, Anthony Rendon. Those guys are some of the most contact-oriented guys who have the ability to have extra base hits and run the bases well more than other teams, including the Astros, and right now is panning out well. So I, that that is what Theo was talking about, getting away from that 2016-type era. It was the philosophy driven by 2012, 2013, 2014, that led to a pretty good product on the field in 2016. But unfortunately, from then to now, the game has caught up, and a lot of their philosophies didn't appropriately change to to counter some of the new things that were going on in baseball. And Ross, like... You can still be part of that era, part of that 2015-2016 era, and you can still change your organization's philosophy while keeping the people who actually made a difference and who worked. 
why would we go trade Anthony Rizzo? Why would we go trade Javi Baez? They're, they contributed in 2015 and 2016 as well. Why? Like you want to keep the people who were significant contributors, and Ross was a significant contributor, a voice, uh, a philosophy that the Cubs still wanted to keep over the last three years in scouting in the front office for a reason. They got rid of the of the parts that they think were suboptimal. Scouting, drafting, player development, and they're keeping the guys who think are going to be worthwhile in the future. That will be players and David Ross now transitioning into the manager role, very similar to how a lot of these other front office guys are transitioning from lower authority roles into now director of pitching, director of hitting. This is this is the way it's going, man. You're giving people more power who deserve it for justifiable reasons. And Ross falls into that category. So this is not like, this is not a a total continuity of things that didn't work. This is giving people who were real contributors and reasons for Cubs success, more power, more authority. And I think that's, that's, that's going to be a good thing. I, I want to talk a little bit just about what we have to go on as it relates to his strategy and just his general thinking. Now, I think first and foremost, and this isn't always true because some of the, you know, they they range in their stuff, but he is a catcher, right? And I think that's important to remember because he's someone who is always going to see the game from that angle, from the angle of calling pitches, calling games, holding runners, dealing with things like that, right? They're, they're always going to see the game through the eyes of the catcher. And looking at this Fangraphs article, and if you tweet at us, I, I can share it with you. But if you Google David Ross, future big league manager, it'll, it'll come up on Fangraphs. It's from February 4th of 2016 by David Loria on Fangraphs if you want to read the whole thing. And again, this is from 2016. So he he may have changed some of these philosophies, but obviously this is his general mindset on things. And he talks about a whole wide range of issues, defensive shifts, bullpen leverage situations, lineup scenarios, in-game adjustments, working with the front office. And, and there are a lot of, I, I think, really nice quotes that you can, again, see why he was always thought of in this way, because just on certain things, he gives some really good answers, I think, on how things should work. He talks in this article about, uh, like, this is a direct quote, quote, little things like that. I think the best organizations are run that way. The front office, the manager, and the coaching staff are all on the same page. You're putting together the experience of the coaches with the data, and the manager is managing the in-game adjustments. Obviously a very nice sounding quote. But the one that that jumped out to me and and that I really gravitate towards because it, it was something that the 2019 Cubs were not particularly good with is he really likes defensive shifting. And and I, I started this portion of the podcast by mentioning that he was a catcher because I, I think that this informs this, right? I, I think that a lot of times, and, and this may change now that he's the manager or whatever, but I would envision David Ross thinking of decisions and how to go about certain things 
from the, as I do with most things, from the perspective of John Lester being on the mound, right? And I would think if I'm David Ross and I'm making a decision for where I'm going to position my fielders, what pitch I want to call, what I, I want to do in this particular situation, he's going to make the decision that's going to help John Lester get outs, right? And so yeah. it's not surprising that he's interested in shifting. And he says, quote, I like shifting. I believe in it. Anything where the numbers show you have a better chance of getting someone out, you do it. I actually don't think the out- outfield gets shifted enough. I think it should be moved way more than it is. When I'm behind the plate calling a game, I know that certain guys can't drive the ball to the opposite field against certain guys I'm catching. He goes on to mm. say, and this is, the, the I think, my favorite quote of this particular article. I'm a big believer in defense in general. When you don't give teams extra outs, and I, you have to remember the timing for where he goes here. He says, look at St. Louis. You know, we forgive him. You got to remember <laughs> this is in early 2016. The Cardinals were coming off of a, a very good season in 2015, and they were eliminated by the Cubs. So perhaps this is kind Correct, of a backhanded yes. compliment by David Ross. I'm just giving context. We're, we're never here to praise St. Louis, but this is what he said. He said, look at St. Louis and how they play clean baseball. That's winning baseball. The yes. clean, they did win the division and the Cubs knocked them out. So I think it's fine. Okay. He goes on. The cleanness of how they make the plays you're supposed to. And when you hit the ball hard and someone runs it down in the gap, that's demoralizing. Same thing with shifting. If someone hits a rocket right where you're shifted and takes a hit away from you, it demoralizes them. And there were so many times in that 2019 season where you, and and I'm not even sure if the data backed this up, but it just felt like the Cubs were not good at defensive positioning. It felt like their ground balls were converted into outs. I, I can even now, I have Orlando Arcia behind the second base bag in Milwaukee scooping up hard ground balls ingrained into my vision. Like, why is he standing there all the time? Why isn't this a hit? And it just felt like the Cubs didn't do that to other teams as much. They were just always in the wrong place more often than not. So Ross being about these things, and again, coming at this from the mindset of a catcher, how can I get the most outs? What can I do to make this work? And it does take you back to that 2016 team. And when you think about those games with Hendricks and Lester, where the debate would be, where are we going to put Javi Baez tonight? Because we want these pitchers to get more outs and we want to game plan how we're going to pitch to these guys based on how we can get the ball to Javi Baez to convert them into outs more often than not. And so there's a lot that goes on in this article, uh, but this is something that I really liked. The other one, and I don't think this is will come as a surprise to anyone who has listened to, what, two episodes of this podcast, Brendan? He says, quote, Overall, I think you need to put your best hitters near the top of the lineup and your worst hitters near the bottom. You want your best hitters to get more at-bats. Let me repeat that line for you. you, One more time, Again, if you've listened to this podcast literally ever, you know exactly who I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. You want your best hitters to get more at-bats. More at-bats, correct. Yes, more at-bats. So I'm going out on a limb here. I don't want to speak for David Ross. And I don't even know if he'll still be on the team, but I don't think that David Ross is going to hit Albert Almora in the leadoff spot. I'm just saying, maybe I'm reading into this, but 
uh, I I love some of these quotes. That one that one in particular was <laughs> very to exciting yeah. to me because uh, as long as we're not going to be making an argument that those guys are the best hitters, uh, I, I think David Ross gets this. So mm-hmm. it's it, it's a fascinating article, and and I don't know if anything jumped out to you, Brendan, but but it is a good insight into just a, the, his general mindset and and where he's coming from ab- about the game of baseball. One other thing that stood out to me was his bullpen management philosophy. And he was asked in general, like, hey, do you want to use, uh, let's say, your closer in situations that are not traditional closing situations? So, for example, seventh inning or eighth inning. Or do you keep your closer in the ninth inning like we usually see from most uh, from most teams? And Ross said, like, he wants to to get outs with his best guys he did say though and this is all paraphrasing you have to read the article yourself a lot of quotes here that he is going to manage individual pitchers on that individual basis so if they're not comfortable going into the game in the eighth inning or in the seventh inning or going into the game in a dirty inning and going from the eighth inning to the ninth inning then he's not going to do that and I feel like Ross understands that better than most current major league managers. He's actually caught some of these pitchers as well. So you can identify when guys don't have their best stuff, right? Like you can go out and you can see a role with Chapman in the 10th inning throwing sliders most of his pitches because his fastball just went down from 103 down to 98. And you can see that type of compensation. So Ross has an ability to communicate to so many players, but he can identify what he needs to communicate based on his experience actually playing the game three years ago. That's something Joe Madden never had, and he was that was his fault, really. That was one of his biggest downfalls from an in-game managerial perspective was his inability to use some of his relievers in the best positions, at least within the last year or two. You can debate that World Series, but that's that's whatever. We won the World Series. But within the last year or two, like getting Rowan Wick into clean innings or getting, you know, some of his other guys into innings and situations that are favorable. Not using Derek Holland, for example, against Bryce Harper would have been pretty damn nice and, and would have preserved that win in that situation. So I think what we're going to see from Ross is, especially with Craig Kimbrell, because Ross does treat these guys on an individual basis, I don't think we're going to see Craig Kimbrell be that fireman closer, that he's going to come out there in the eighth inning or the seventh inning, given the game context. I think Kimbrell, he's going to be the traditional ninth inning guy. What I will say is because the Cubs do have so many new interesting arms like Kyle Ryan and Dwayne Underwood perhaps and Rowan Wick and some of these other young guys perhaps moving through the system is they may have more of that fireman type role. So I think Ross is going to mix a lot of the new age managerial styles, maybe the defensive shifts, maybe some of the unique bullpen management where you're going with guys multiple innings or in situations that are in the sixth inning or the eighth inning. But he's going to mix that in with that old school thinking tailored for the individual, like Craig Kimbrell, for example. And I, I, I like that. I really do appreciate that. And I think also Ross will be flexible. And we may not see uh, a coherent 
strategy from the get-go, which is not a bad thing. Maybe he'll adapt based on what he sees early on in the season. And I, I, I'm, I'm excited, Corey. I have confidence that Ross will be able to identify what needs to be done. And I have confidence that he'll be able to communicate with the front office if he needs to, to change up his managerial style. Yeah, I, I think it'll be fascinating to watch. I, you know, obviously, he's going to have certain philosophies that he's coming in with and ways of going about things. But, I, you know, I think that he'll hopefully be a, a little malleable as this process begins, uh, as this is his first time doing this. And again, we'll see how his coaching staff rounds out and the, and the, and the people that may be consulting with him and, and giving him advice. But I, I think that Another important note, and and this is kind of a a good place to wrap, I I guess, is that Theo knows what he's doing, and we've disagreed with certain decisions, and we've also called for him to kind of wear more of the responsibility for where this team has gone in the last couple years, Um, and, you know, not necessarily just pinning it on Joe, etc., but Theo went through this process. They talked to all sorts of different candidates from different backgrounds, from guys that have won World Series, guys who have not been successful in their first stop, guys who have not been managers yet, etc. They, they talked to a wide range of, of candidates from a, a wide range of organizations and in different ways of going about things and philosophies and budgets, etc. And they landed on Ross. This is somebody that they have worked with, that they have known for a long time. And I, I think that you know, any notion that Theo is hiring someone he's just because he's familiar with him or because he's buddies with him, anything like that, Theo hired him because he's the best guy for the job. And this all goes back to Theo. Theo's making decisions for this team to head in the right direction because ultimately at some point, even if it wasn't last year or the year before, at some point, the buck stops at Theo, and Theo needs this team to perform and to win and to get back into the playoffs and be competing for World Series. And I think if they went through this whole process, and you know, again, talking to guys like Joe Espada, Joe Girardi, Gabe Kapler, etc., and they landed on David Ross, it's because they believe he is the best candidate for this job. And that was something that Theo said when they let Joe Madden let his contract expire and 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 moved on from that era of Cubs baseball. He said this decision isn't going to have anything to do with Ross being a part of the World Series team or the players liking him when he was here. It's going to have to do with who is the best person to lead the Chicago Cubs in this next phase of this organization. And they chose David Ross. They spoke to a lot of people for a long time, right? Sometimes multiple times, sometimes for eight hours in a day. And they chose David Ross. And so, like we said, when it when it came down to him and Espada, um, I'm excited about this. I'm looking forward to hopefully, again, you guys are hearing this on Thursday morning. Hopefully there's a, a formal announcement. I don't know if we'll be doing a press conference this soon or whatever. But I'm looking forward to this and 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 getting things started because you know now we we've kind of cleaned this up and and we can focus on building a roster and and like Theo said building that next Cubs championship team and we are going to do it with David Ross at 
the helm cool, man. of cool. the ship. It, it is pretty cool. Like I said, he, he is going from his last time in a Cubs uniform, hitting a home run in Game 7 of the World Series that the Chicago Cubs won, and his next game will be as the manager of that very same team. I think that's very cool, and for all that we know about David Ross and, and just the type of person that he is, it's it's very exciting that, that this is happening for him, for his family, and that he's getting this opportunity because it, it always seemed like he deserved it, and you, you, you just never knew if, if things were going to align, right? I don't think necessarily a lot of us thought that the Joe Madden thing would play out the way that it did. And and you kind of wondered, like, maybe David Ross is going to get this opportunity somewhere else because someone else is just going to go after him uh, before the Cubs are ready to do this. And uh, for better or worse, right, like, you know, if, if, you know, I think we're all still sad that Joe Madden is gone, but it worked out in this regard. And, and I think it's it's pretty cool that, that we're able to make that transition. And I, I look forward to... David Ross being the manager of the Chicago Cubs. I'm not going to call him grandpa anymore. I think he's going to be the third youngest manager in (laughs) Major League Baseball. So when he was on the team, you know, and 38 years old, you could call him grandpa, but he's definitely not the grandpa of the Major League managers. So I'm just going to go with David Ross, or you can call him Skip or whatever you want to call the the manager Rossi. but uh Rossi's fine it kind of reminds like me Rossi. of Cubbies but uh, you know it's just not really my thing nah it's a little bit different Corey come on don't put those two in the same bucket that's fair uh but I'm I'm excited about this I I think this is cool and again I I think that they landed on two really good candidates and and I didn't think that they could go wrong either way so I think you know for a process that when when you're getting rid of Joe Madden I think I said my biggest fear was it can always get worse and you never know what direction they're going to go and I don't think that they did that um and as Theo always says and and you know these guys always say process first you know and and you see what the results are right like I think they went about this in a good way they made the decision for the right reasons we'll see what the results are we'll see what roster he's given and and how things go when this process when when the season starts but the process to get here was good and I think that's all we can ask for as fans so we will come to you guys again on Tuesday morning uh, unless the Cubs have more breaking news up their sleeve I don't think that they can but you never know uh and we will talk about uh, the World Series could be over by then uh, as the Washington Nationals have a 2-0 lead uh, heading back to Washington here for three over the weekend. So by the time we speak to you next, we could be ready to get this offseason going in full gear. So as always, we thank you guys for joining us. We will talk to you again on Tuesday here on the Cubs Related Podcast. And whether we are watching the Nationals and Astros play in the World Series or we are tipping our cap to our new manager. David Ross, as always, go Cubs. Our homes today are like little cities full of different internetic boroughs, like the entertainment district in the living room or the virtual fitness center in the garage. And Xfinity Internet keeps it all running smoothly with reliable speed to power all your devices at once. You get coverage around town from the financial district home office to the spa. Xfinity Internet keeps your little city humming with reliable speed and coverage. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. Find great offers and value today from Xfinity. Go online or call 1-800-XFINITY to learn more. Restrictions apply. Hello, this is your apartment. I need some favors from you. Your cat keeps rubbing against the kitchen island and I can't return the favor. Can you give her extra pets for me? 
After that, could you bundle your renters and car insurance with Geico? We could save money, and it's easy to do online. And one last thing, could you leave the TV on during the day? I need to catch up on my soaps. Geico, for bundling made easy, go to geico.com today. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com.